Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Pure Hope with your host, Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. Hope is the name the angels gave Reverend Gorman. Help open planetary eyes. And that's what we hope to do on Pure Hope. Thank you for joining us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pure Hope Show. This is going to be exciting. The name of our show today is So Now What? And you're going to learn how to get unstuck or at least find material of helping you get unstuck so we don't have to stay in that place of stuckness. We have on the air today Catherine Brennan, and I'm just going to let you know a little bit about her journey and how she came about writing her books and her workbook. Uh, Her journey included healing from a 35-year battle with depression. After doctors, she went to counselors, and the churches were not able to help her through that. And so throughout her life, Kathy... um, fought hard to keep her secret hidden, and as we all know, can't do that for very long, and so she was weighted down at that time with unhealthy body, unhealthy mind, and spirit, and yet her tenacity, and she is a woman with great tenacity, she caused her to keep asking questions, so now what? Until the maraud of answers came, many were unexpected from many unexpected places. So she has been all over with knowing the truth of who she is through really personal, in-depth questions. And one of those questions um, that Kathy had to take ownership of her illness and ownership of where she needed to recruit her willpower and recruit new habits to come into her life. And so it is refreshing to talk to her because after freeing herself from depression, which indeed she did, she found herself her inner athlete, and she is an athlete. She has run the Boston Marathon three times, running the New York City Marathon, participating in many half marathons, triathlons. She is a writer, a speaker, and she is a coach on the benefits of physical and mental and spiritual health. And on top of all that, she has also been a co-owned business owner in Mankato, Minnesota with her husband, Mike, since 1994. And together they both have been very enthusiastic supporters and philanthropists for national organizations such as the YWCA, World Vision, United Way, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, the Salvation Army, um, and so even here locally in Mankato, she has helped and Mike has helped many places in the Mankato area, such as the Children's Museum of Southern Minnesota, South Central College, Minnesota State University, and uh, the list goes on and on and on. And so... It is wonderful to have her on our blog talk. She has a love of learning and asking questions like, what am I here for and what is the best way to love and why would I set a goal in the first place and how do I become a better person? And so I want to introduce you right now to Kathy Brennan. Welcome, 
Kathy. How are you, my dear? I am doing great, Hope. Thanks for that complete uh, introduction. You know, we get to a certain age and we have a lot of a lot of <laughs> stories and history and things we've done. Yeah. So thanks for having well, me. You know, I well, you are welcome. I love reading bios because, um, and many people always say, well, you know, that's a pretty long bio. But when you get to our age, and you mm-hmm. work through. Um, events and you work through what I call the curriculum of our life is that we do have mm-hmm. long bios and we should be proud of yeah. it. So very proud yeah, of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's tell good. It's all our good. listeners um a little bit about because now with the pandemic um somewhat uh over and we're moving into this time-space continuum. There is a lot of depression going on as we begin our new norm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And, of course, suicide attempts and thoughts Mm -hmm. about that. What is one thing that you would tell our listeners who happen to be in that spot right now today? Mm. Yeah, good question. Uh, What I learned through my long journey with depression, is that depression is not simply a mental health disease. It's not simply something wrong in your brain. Depression is like a three-headed monster. It will attack your body, it will attack your mind, and it will also attack your spirit. So often, I mean, my first place that I went once I acknowledged that something was wrong was I went to the physicians and I asked them to fix me and we tried five different rounds of antidepressants thinking if I just get my brain chemistry in order this will go away. And for some people that's primarily what it is and uh, there is a lot of work to be done with the mind but mine was primarily in my body. I just had an unhealthy body which led to uh, lots of feelings of being reactive and uncomfortable. And then I created bad mental health habits to cope with that. And although I had always been a spiritual person, I had some very distorted and wrong thoughts spiritually. So what I would tell people who are feeling understandably down and distraught and sad I would say two things. There is a way out. I know there's a way out. And it, it, um, it's not necessarily just in your mind. And there are many things you can do to alleviate the pain. And this, it's, this is what I conclude many of my thoughts or sentences with. It's harder to stay stuck in depression than it is to create these new habits. And although they may seem impossible to create a new habit, like to change your thinking, it's easier to do that than to stay where you are. Because if you're sad and depressed and despondent, that's hard work. And uh, maybe pat yourself on the back a little bit that you're here today and you're thinking about it and you <laughs> want to change it. Yeah, so it's, it's multifaceted. I love that answer because I do think um, that we are pressured into what sometimes I call a very powerful and lasting impact that happens through social influences, and some of that also then affects our behavior. And um, 
the social influence, mental illness has been a bit of a taboo. Depression has been a bit of taboo, and and it's a pill popping kind of um, opportunity for many people to say, well, if you take this, it'll all be gone. So your books, your book that you wrote, so now what, and your workbook, kind of guides everybody into freeing your mind and your body and your soul. And um, do you want to talk a little bit about that, about how it all intertwines, all works together? Yeah. Let me first say, too, Hope, that I'm not a doctor. And um, I, I, I hesitate to... Um, say anything bad about antidepressants because what antidepressants did for me was to help me realize, oh, I am in there. I am normal. It, it, mm-hmm. at one, one of the five gave me relief for a few years. And so I realized, oh, gosh, Kathy is this person with energy and optimism and um, love for others where I could not have seen that before because I was so down so um, so that's part of it so it, I, I, I will um, I don't hesitate to tell people yeah go ahead and if that antidepressant kind of lifts your mood for a bit that that's that's good now you know you're in there and and then let's get to work on some of these other pieces um, it's it's first of all our body it's it's a little crazy that we don't look at everything we put in our mouth and realize that it has an impact on how we feel. I mean, if we put ketchup in the gas tank of our car, the car would not run. That's an obvious thing to us. So what makes us think that we don't need to be careful with what we're putting in our body? Because whatever we put in our body is going to impact how well it performs and how it feels and there's there's so much more information coming out about this. And um, on that same note, the medical profession, Western medicine, is not trained in nutrition. So they do not know the impact, for example, that sugar is having on your mood. They don't know that. They didn't learn it in medical school. That's no fault of their own. But they don't know that. And I'm just here to say everything we put in our body does have an impact. And I I learned that because that was my primary issue. And so for me, I'm I'm just vigilant about that because I'm not going back there. I'm not going back to feeling sad and despondent and tired and um, grumpy and not grateful. I'm not going back there. And if I eat the wrong things and don't give my body enough movement and sleep, it will want to go back there. It, that's a big, big influence on me. So that's a piece of the puzzle. And I remember telling a friend once, um, she was having some particularly difficult times. I said, are you getting enough sleep? And she looked at me like I had three heads. And yet we all know the effect that sleep has on us. If I don't get a good night's sleep for three nights in a row, just don't come near me. I, I get I get angry and agitated and I can't think clearly. So these, just these kind of simple things about taking care of our body 
are really going to affect our mood, and we need to own that and realize it, pay attention to it, and talk about it, and teach each other about it, and hold each other accountable, and all of that. The um, mental piece, our minds, boy, our minds are amazing. They they can change the course of our life. Uh, there is so much power in our thoughts that they actually change the structure of our brains. And we need skills to know how to think. Uh, this is a continual pursuit of mine. And, um, and this is real. You know, when people talk about positive thinking and affirmations, and it, it's not as simple as any one of those things, but the principle is true. Your mind is very powerful extremely powerful. If we only knew the power of our thoughts and then our words, because our words are the thoughts just coming out of us, we, would, uh, we can harness um, that power and really change our lives. And so when your body's healthy, it's easier to think right. And when you're thinking right, it's easier to take care of your body. Like, oh, yep, I need eight hours of sleep tonight. I'll take care of that. But when either one of those, see how one affects the other? And then the third component is our spirit. And I, I define our spirit as just the essence of who we are. It's what we have a passion for. It's what we're good at. It's what we just, time flies when we're doing it. It's, it's our ability to be joyful and grateful and love others. That's, that's different than just these cognitive, logical thoughts. This is, this is my heart. This is my spirit. And that, too, we can practice. There are just spiritual practices. If you got up every morning and spent one hour being grateful for everything around you, I guarantee your day is going to go better than if you don't. So there's a real tangible effect of feeding your heart, of practicing these things. This isn't just um, woo-woo or it's not, it's, it's as tangible as the watch on my wrist. It's something that needs to be done. And again, when we're grateful, we have a different and broader uh, idea of how we think. You know, if I'm grateful, I can't be grateful and fearful at the same time. So that's just going to affect my thoughts. And if I'm trying to love myself and others, I'll take care of this container that I'm in, this body. I see it as just a separate thing that needs to be cared for. It deserves to be cared for. And so my spirit affects both my body and my mind. And the beautiful part of this is that they all affect one another, either in an upward direction, but they can also affect each other in a downward direction. And so wherever you're at... um, with a relational problem or a physical problem or a you know hopelessness problem, you can stop and say, oh, gee whiz, I'm sick. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to think really well. I'm going to maybe even turn my mind off or I'm going to be hopeful for what, how this illness can help me. We're going to use the other parts to support the part that's weak. So if the body is weak, I'm going to use my mind and my spirit to build it up. And doctors even know this. They, they know that when people have p- others praying for them and when they have positive thoughts 
in a positive mind that their body will heal faster. So they all impact one another. And it, I, I don't think we 100% believe that. And I want to tell you to 100% believe it because it's true. It's true. Yeah, because it's hard to find books, health books, that will weave all three of those things together. And I just wanted all of our audience to know is that, you know, I've heard you tell the story that everybody thought I was healthy because I was thin and that you didn't have weight but a nutrition problem. Yeah, and I thought I was healthy. And I actually remember in college clearly thinking, if I never eat a fruit, another piece of fruit or vegetable in my life, I don't care because I don't like fruits or vegetables. And, and with this false belief that because I was thin, I was somehow healthy. But the, the truth was I was addicted to sugar. I, I would get up and have a bowl of sugary cereal, and by 10 o'clock I'd be hungry, and I'd grab a Snickers bar, and at lunch I would be starving again, and I would grab whatever, and I didn't gain weight, so then I thought I was healthy, but my body was very unhealthy, and it was reactive, and it was uncomfortable, and my digestive system didn't work, and I, I wasn't giving myself enough water, all these things. I wasn't paying attention to my sleep, and because I had this propensity, all that discomfort, then I just became negative, and I saw all the negative, and I became reactive to whatever was around me. So, yeah, our body is so, I wish we could see our body as a separate entity. It's so, in our culture, it's so intertwined with your worth or your value or how, um, uh, ambitious you are versus lazy. I mean, we look at weight as a weird kind of measure of a person's worth, but our body is simply this container we're living in. And, you know, if you live in a house, you can live in a messy house or you can live in a clean house. You can live in a, you know, you, you can decide how it's going to be. And when we're living in a healthy body, life is just easier. It's just easier. You're going to have more energy. You're going to um, think more clearly. You're going to move better. So I want, especially women, because it's um, so messed up in our culture, I want women to eat to be healthy. I want every, everything you put in your mouth to think, is this healthy? Is this healthy for me? Is this good for me? Is this good for my body? This body that I'm living in, I can't get out of it. <laughs> I'm going to have to carry this around. I'm going to feel the aches and pains. Is this healthy for me? And then the weight will be what the weight's going to be. We just, that's, that's a weird, skewed, I don't know if it's a patriarchal measure or whatever, but it's a weird measure of a person's health. It's not weight. It's, yeah. Um, I love that. I hope all the women hearing that, hearing this, really soaks that into their consciousness and into their their fiber of their body because it is a kind of a weird setup for women. Um, and we need to, mm-hmm. um, you know, dismantle that and create something that is really what is the um, product of health. And that's why when I read your book, I felt that the inter 
you know, the weaving of those, the body, the mind, the spirit, the soul, all of that really came out in the book. So why did you write the book? You know, many people go through this. So was it a sign from God? Was it a sign from spirit? Uh, like, what came over you one day when you must have woke up and you said, I think I'm going to write about this? Yeah. I had learned about my love of writing um, through a, a life coach. And I was an accountant. I ran a business. So this is who I identified myself as. Oh, I, I'm not creative. I'm just an accountant. I just keep track of numbers. But through this coach that I was working with, I discovered my love of writing. And I actually, I love to tell this. I re, so I'm in my 40s at this point, And I, all of a sudden this vision comes into my mind. And I remember having a clear picture when I was a teenager of myself sitting at a typewriter, because that's all they had when I was a teenager. I was sitting at a typewriter, looking out a big window. I was wearing a black and red flannel shirt. There were pine trees outside. It was lightly snowing, and I was typing. I was at a typewriter writing. So I had this vision when I was a teenager of being a writer. And, and then I became an accountant, and it disappeared. And so I discovered my love of writing, and one day I was going through some computer files and cleaning some stuff up, and I found a story. I don't know what, what I was just thought, what is this? And I opened the story, and I read the story, and I thought, that is really good. Who wrote that? Where did I get that? And then I realized I had written it. And I thought, oh, well, there you go. So now I'm going to be a writer, I guess. And I started to write a blog, and I really feel like I've always been this way, that whatever lesson I learn, I just want to tell everybody about it so they don't make the same mistake and they don't have to suffer like I have suffered. So I felt very much like when, when this all came together, and it, it, it took many years and um, uh, lots of work, but when this all came together, I, when I figured this out, oh my gosh, my body was unhealthy. And then when I started to get that healthy, then I had to figure out my mind and my thinking. And then when I got that figured out, then I moved on to my spirit and I got my spirit in life. So when I figured that all out, I thought, oh gosh, everybody needs to know this. Everyone needs to know this, especially with mental health issues because uh, at the time and even now, People don't realize how this is complicated, and that's why it's so insidious, because it's complicated. But it, we, can, we can piece this out. We can realize, I've got to take care of my body to take care of my mind. I've got to control my thinking. I can do that. I've got to look at my spirit and look at my heart and look at my passions. I can do that. All of that is going to help me overcome these mental health struggles. So when you wrote the first book, did you know that you would uh, end up writing the second book, the workbook, to go along with that, or did that come after? That came after, and in the book, I have a lot of questions because the... (laughs) It was funny, I didn't realize this during the whole process, but the reason... And the method that I use to overcome depression is continue to ask myself, well, so now what? If that didn't work, well, so now what am I going to try? So now what? So now what? 
And so I have questions in the book because I believe that people have a lot of their own wisdom. And if they get stuck, sometimes they need someone else, but these questions are so good. If we need to just face these questions ourselves. Well, if the antidepressants aren't working, I'm the one suffering. The doctor isn't suffering. My uh, coworkers aren't suffering. I'm the one that's suffering. So I'm the one that has to figure this out. So, so now what? So I, questions are a great big um, thing in my life. I, I just continue to pursue and ask myself questions. So when I got done with the book, I realized, you know, there's for every question in my book, I have three on the workbook. So, and writing out the answers to your questions is like magic. Some, we pull stuff up from our non-conscious mind and we put it on paper. And when it sits there on paper, it stares back at us. And now our ego does not have the ability to change it. We've, we've just written down something and now we have to look at it and ask ourselves further questions. So the workbook just came out of... Um, just thinking through the questions isn't enough. First of all, there are more questions to ask, and writing it out is the next step to take. If you're, if you're willing to do this and to invest in yourself and to really get to the root and change your behaviors and your thoughts and your heart and your life. Um, why do you think people get stuck to begin with? I mean, do you, I know in, in your book you talk about there, perhaps it's someone's unwillingness to get unstuck or do something about it. Is that what you see? Like why is it that you think people get so stuck in their own Yeah, I think, I think one of the main reasons is we, we don't believe that doing the work to get unstuck is going to be worth it. We think, that'll, oh, that'll be too much work. That's just too much work. But it's a lot of work to be stuck. So that's kind of a yeah. main tenet of the book. It's a lot of work to stay there. But there are, the, the biggest reason we get stuck is fear. And it shows up as anger. It shows up as excuses. It shows up in so many different awful ways. But fear is a great big problem. We are afraid of so many things, and we don't face the fear. We just medicate the fear, or we ignore the fear, or we blame the fear. So fear is a, a big, big reason we get stuck. We fear rejection. We, you know, we fear so many things. And then all of the rest of our feelings. Fear is a feeling, but we have all these other feelings, too, that, that we get stuck in instead of looking at them and asking ourselves, well, hmm, I'm so sad. What is that sadness telling me? These big emotions are just signs to us of that something is going on. So it's up to us to figure out what that is. Uh, other reasons, Hope, are that we believe um, things about ourselves that aren't true. We, ha we have skewed beliefs. A lot of those come from our childhood or the messages we're getting from culture or um, our, our significant other can be giving us messages and we're believing in them and they're not true. Um, we also try to control things. We can get stuck just because we're trying to control something we can't control. We try it over and over. Hey, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I, 
And the other, that's just what I want to say is all of us, uh, yeah, we continue to get stuck and that's just uh, peeling the onion away. It's just like the next thing to learn and the next thing to evolve to and the next thing to become more of who you purely were meant to be. So it's good to get stuck because now this is a sign. This is the next thing to work on. This is... This is something else that needs to be uncovered, healed, um, looked at a different way, um, supported. Each one of these things, it, it's, just, it's good. It's good when we get stuck so that we can get to the next thing. Um, another reason we are stuck is we don't have the skills. We don't even know what to do. So I had negative thinking for years and years and years. I just had all these negative thoughts in my head. Well, first of all, I didn't even know that was not normal. And then once I realized that, I didn't know how to stop it. And there are ways to do it. If Yeah, I, I just so wish that people knew who I used to be so they could see, like, if I could do this, anyone can do this. If If I could come from where I was and the thoughts I had and the beliefs I had and the actions I had to where I am now, you would understand. It, 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 everyone has the capacity to do this. Yeah. And I think that's so important because, you know, again, the whole socializing on, on dieting or mental health and so on and so forth, I think also that women, I think that women get stuck because they think that they can do intermittent dieting or cleanse mm. uh, the body by fasting from time to time, which I think is all good. But I think people who have had emotional, mental, stuck habits think that going on a diet will unstick them in all of those places. And I always tell people that's a bit like, changing the chairs on the Titanic, it's still going to go down <laughs> if you don't mm-hmm, grab mm-hmm. all of those different areas of your life. Well, and everybody's body is different, and everybody's trauma is different, and everybody's experiences are different. And so that's why um, I go back to that eating to be healthy instead of to be thin. We're, we're, just, going, we're just going towards the wrong target. Wouldn't we all love to live in a body that uh, we feel good in? It would be like, um, who wants to wake up every morning achy? Who wants to um, not be able to sleep? Who wants to have to um, pop pills to take away pain? Wouldn't we love to live in a body that just worked well for us? This works well. That doesn't automatically happen. It is we were we have to care for it and some people have to care for it more than others and we each need to care for it in our own unique way so again we're using weight as this metric and it's not necessarily that's not necessarily it so just looking at i describe the body um as just this tool to be used it's the tool that, that I'm going to move around my life in. And it needs, if I could just look at it separately, apart from myself. It's just sitting there, my body, 
it, it can't do anything on its own. So I need to feed her. I need to feed her the right foods at the right time, in the right amounts, whatever she needs to feel good. And it's like, it's like a pet or something. You, you wouldn't just feed your pet whenever you wanted to. You know, we care for our pets maybe better than our own diets. We feed them at the right time and one scoop of food or whatever. We need yeah. to look at our bodies yeah. that same way. Just, no, no, I, you know, I, I, having a glass of wine at 8 at night is not going to allow her, my body, to sleep well. It's just not going to work. I, I don't care what I it doesn't matter what I think about it. I, now I can look at my body objectively, and, and now we've got watches that will track all this stuff, and it's, it's just it's the truth now. Wow, look at that. I can't have a glass of wine at 8 o'clock at night. It, it's affecting my sleep. And I've got to live in that body every single day. I, just, I can't get away from it. And she deserves care. She deserves care. And she needs to sleep. Oh, boy, we just need to sleep. We need to um, believe that how important sleep is instead of believe that trying to stay up late and binge watch Netflix and getting up early that I can somehow overpower it or something. No, my body's just, she's just over there. She just needs some sleep. We wouldn't, we wouldn't run our dog until it collapsed. But we yeah. do that for yeah. to ourselves sometimes, yeah. And uh, she needs to move. We were we were created to move around in our lives, and we're very sedentary in the U.S. and um, sit at desks or sit in cars, and we don't we park as close to the door as we can instead of walk a little bit. We take the elevator instead of the stairs, and we just avoid all this movement. And that's why activity trackers are good. You know, there are little reminders that we need to move. Yeah. So if a person was going to pick up your book, the workbook, um, do you believe or would you suggest that they start at the very beginning and work through the questions there? Do you think it is okay if people would pick up the book and look through it, and if there's a question that popped out, that they would answer it that way, because I know that some of the people who have your book, that that's what they're doing. They're looking at beliefs first before they do maybe the body, or um, is it built that way, the book built that way, where you can kind of go through it a question at a time on a random way? or Yes, absolutely, and because... Some people might not have problems with fear. Like, no, oh, that's not really my thing. But I have these skewed beliefs about myself, and that's what I really need to dig into. Uh, and it can be used again and again. So having answered the questions once doesn't mean that, that same, those same questions might help in another way that you're stuck. But it, but it just helps sort out why you're stuck and what what kind of, skills or things you need to do, and then what to do to heal the body and free the body, mind, and spirit. Yeah, so the, the um, index is laid out so that you can just kind of look at, oh, yeah, the perfectionism, yep, that's me. I already know that. Let me go after a few of those questions because in this, for example, this case that I'm stuck, it's because I'm trying to control everything or make everything perfect. So, um 
it's, yeah, it can be, you can jump around in it and whatever is helpful for you at that moment. And it's, um, again, it's, there's no shame in this. We all do this. This is, these are, these are the, the, the signs that we're getting to change your behavior and to become the lovely, amazing, important people we were created to be. Everyone has that. And we get stuck in these bad habits and unhealthy behaviors, and we can't share our greatness with the world. That's really good. So if people, remember when I asked um, from the Hope Interface Center if people got together and answered this book, um, I remember you saying, and you can correct me, that you thought that's really good, but it, but it would be nice if those people could be vulnerable, you know, have this rapport of vulnerability while they're going through the questions. And I can see, I, for me, I would need uh, um, not necessarily a safety net, but a safe environment to share the truth of what's going on in me with those questions. Um, yeah. Is that true where you think that it needs that safety there? Yeah, absolutely. I think we always do better when we're accountable, when we're working with somebody. We were created that way, right? We're not just supposed to operate in a vacuum. So doing this with someone else or a group would be good. And this is difficult stuff. Who wants to admit, um, you know, you don't want to admit to a random stranger the fears you have around rejection or um, how pessimistic you are in your thoughts, whatever, whatever those things are. So if you have uh, a close friend or two or three where you can talk about these ideas, it's, it could be like a book club where you, you hear someone else and you think, oh, gosh, I never would have thought of that on my own. But hearing you say that really resonates with me or really makes sense. So we're kind of taking all of our learning and building on each other, and it needs to be in a safe space. And I also, I do suggest only doing two or three questions in the workbook at a time because this is, this is difficult stuff. This is, we, you, you might even answer and think, well, that's, that's not too bad. But our, our minds and our hearts and our bodies can only take so much um, we, we need to be a little gentle with ourselves as we walk through this transformational stuff. It, it doesn't happen overnight, and we sometimes need to just give ourselves a little self-care while we ponder these things and not push ourselves into an immediate overnight new way of thinking. So I... I I used to journal for long, time, long periods of time and come up with pages and pages. And more recently, though, I have been doing it in little bits and pieces and then trying to remind myself the rest of the day what's the little piece that I, that I got this morning. And I believe that's more effective. And it's not such a big trauma to your system. It's, it's not so cataclysmic, but it's, it's one little step at a time. And that's also easier to maintain 
you know, if you're going to work out, don't start with six hours a week. You're not going to keep that up, you know, if you haven't done anything before. Start with something that's sustainable. You know, take a little step every day or every other day or every third day instead of, wow, I'm, I'm going to be an athlete now. I'm going to work out six hours a week. So, yeah, it's the same with this kind of work, a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was just reading some of the questions right now about, you know, who do you have faith in, who do you not have faith in, you know, how do you engage with others on a weekly basis, what foods give you extra energy. Um, I remember I was looking because I have this eating group, and one of the questions was about eating over uh, comfort food and how long are your emotions comforted by that comfort food, mm. something like that. And I thought, hmm, that's really an interesting question. Mm. A temporary yeah. thing. Temporary thing. And, it, and it's different for each of us. And, and, and sometimes it's, once we ask the question, it's obvious. But before that, it's just a habit. You know, it's just a, yeah. I, eat a com- I eat comfort food because I'm uncomfortable. And we don't stop to think, well, that didn't work for very long. <laughs> That's not really a great solution. It, it was good for a moment or for an evening, but it really, now the next day I'm feeling worse about myself because I did that. You know, so, uh, and it's, again, everybody's struggle is different. Everybody's got their area that um, will be more difficult, and that's just the way it is. It's not, it's not the same for everybody. You know, I, I, I like to say, okay, you asked me to go out and run 10 miles, I'll go do that. That's easier than having to confront an issue with a friend. Like, and other people were like, oh, no, I'm not doing 10 miles. I'm, I'm never doing 10 miles, but I will address that with my friend. So we all have stuff that's easier and harder for us. So we just need to accept that and accept the beauty of it, too, and accept yourself for however you're created. That's what it's supposed to be. Does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. I believe that with my whole heart and soul. I I really do. So as you continue to journey and come to balance within your life, have there been any heroes in the field of health and balance, like book uh, authors that you have read that have influenced you to be a better you? Yeah, and in, in different areas, you know, there's so many. I'm very fascinated with the brain because when I was diagnosed with clinical depression, I actually wanted them to just take a piece of my brain and figure out how we could fix this whole thing. So I just became fascinated with the brain. And uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, L-E-A-F, is someone I follow, her podcast, and I've read her books, and I do an, an app that she has uh, to change thinking. And I really, um, she has really um, shown me the power of the mind in such a big way. Uh, also in that arena is uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, who is um, started taking brain scans and, in around 2000 and has, we're just figuring out a lot about the brain. It's kind of the next frontier, I think. Um, 
in the mental health arena, uh, I, I like to listen to Dr. Henry Cloud. He does a lot of work on boundaries. Um, he is very clear about how to have good relationships with boundaries. And, um, it, it, yeah, so there's just some very good principles there. Uh, the, one of my favorite books and uh, principles uh, also in the mental health arena is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. It's a, it's a short kind of shorter book. It just has these four principles that are so simple to understand and take a lifetime to master and are worth mastering. Um, uh, in the area of food, I haven't read a food book in a long time, but the first one I read was um, Potatoes Not Prozac, which is about treating depression with nutrition instead of medication. And so that just flipped everything on its head for me because this was in the 90s and no one was talking about that at the time. So that was very good. I also read the Whole30 um, book and what, what um, there was one sentence in there that just stuck out at me and it is that food has an unfair disadvantage over us because the foods we eat really are, they're rewiring our brain or they're, they're causing our brain to crave more. And so just the idea that what we eat is critically important and everyone needs to figure out what their own um, plan is for eating just because our bodies are different. Everybody's going to need something different. So I can't offer, here's the, here's the, food plan to help you, uh, except to say that it's just, and we, we have so much information now, we have so many, there's so many good um, ideas out there on the internet, and, um, and it's our responsibility to figure out the best way to do that. Um, spiritually, of course, um, Oprah, she's done a fantastic job of bringing our spiritual awareness into the mainstream as the church has disappointed so many people, and she's just kind of made it okay to be a spiritual being. So I just she's fantastic. Brene Brown has a lot of lot of good stuff. I'm just reading this book, or have read this book by Michael Singer, who um, called the Untethered Soul, um, who talks about how standing outside of ourselves and just kind of observing ourselves. So those are some. Um, uh, current spiritual books, and of course, I go, I go to the Christian scriptures, but also just many inspirational things from uh, great thinkers over time, and to take what they're saying into my life if it fits. Um, and that is not to, to at all be wishy-washy that I'm following this person and then following that person except to, like, check the truth of what that saying has. You know, there's, a, there's reasons some of these sayings uh, stand the test of time because they really connect with people and teach people things and lead them in new directions. And so I, I am a big fan of watching what different thinkers are, are saying. And I'm not swallowing all of them, but I'm checking them against my own reality. 
So that's a long-winded answer to just say there's there's so much, there's so many good people out there to follow. I, I'm sure there are many more that I'm, oh, the other one I do want to mention is um, Lucinda Bassett. And that was uh, a book I read when I was working through my depression and, um, oh, what was the name of it? Uh, I know this. Um, ah, it's, it's escaped me. But she was a woman who suffered from agoraphobia and she got herself out of it. And then she did some cassette tapes on how, how she did that. And it was very, very instrumental too. She really helped me get over the negative thinking and, so, yeah, what am I saying? That there's lots of good information out there. So find what fits for you. But find something. And then if you're, if you're the one suffering, it's, you're the one that has to do the work to stop suffering. I, I love That's that just answer what it is. because one of the things you are a ferocious reader and a lifelong learner and um, relies on mentors and teachers and help you along the way in books and things like that. So one of your attributes and abilities and talents and skills is if people want to contact you for coaching on the benefits of physical and mental and spiritual health. Um, health. Um, how does that look? Is that through telehealth, through the computer? Do you see people on a one-to-one basis or uh, personally? Or Yeah, it could either be, um, it can either be on Zoom or a phone call or in person uh, based on where they're located and where I'm located. Um, and they I can contact me through my website, which is katherineabrennan.com. And do you have show notes here, uh, Hope, that we can put the link to that in the yes. show notes? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so that's, um, we all just have a story. We all have a story. And hopefully one person's story can help another person get through their story. It's not that one person has all the answers, but I have a lot of struggles. I have had a lot of struggles. And maybe if someone is, entering the same struggle that I have gotten out of, that, that some encouragement or some direction can help. And, I've, yeah, I've gotten that from many different people. Because, um, again, we weren't meant to do this alone. We just can't. We just can't do as good a job ourselves without this outside perspective. Yeah, I love it that, um, you know, I saw you speak a couple times publicly and you said, you know, we all have a story and lots of times we only show the tip tip of the the iceberg and there's something Mm -hmm. underneath the water there that's much bigger that we might need to talk about, to do a, a quest for, to really find the truth of who we all are. And I love the fact that in on your books you talk about that we all have this kind of unique blueprint or the purpose of, and I don't think, just as you don't think when we talk together, you cannot bring your, I call it the sacred contract or your blueprint or your gifts out to the world, your purpose out into the world, if there is, a lot of stuff yet there to uncover 
inside. And that's what I've seen in your books to help people uncover those pieces. Yes, and it's easier to do, even though it's hard work, it's easier to do that than stay stuck. It's just hard work yeah. to stay stuck. It's easier yeah. to move forward, even though that takes some effort. Yeah. Well, here's a hard, well, I've got two more questions. Someone asked me to ask you, so what do you think technology to our children as well as to our adults, how do you think technology, whether it's computer games or gaming or television or um, phones, has... um, has kind of caused us to become unbalanced. And do you see that as a concern for our kids that are um, growing up in such a technical world? Wow, that's a good good question. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert, only in that I've been doing technology since we started our business in 94. Well, actually, I started before that. In 87, I bought my, at least my first computer. So I've been doing technology a lot of my life. I did it before my kids were born, but they're better at it than I am, and that's just a reality. I, I think technology is, is it's a reality. It's here. We can't ignore it. And just my opinion that it it is an easy way to be passive or it's an easy way to be disconnected. I know in our business, um, as things evolved and everyone was sending emails to everyone and copying everybody on all these emails, and I was the one running around saying, just call them. Don't send them an email because people are, people are ignoring your emails. Or it's, it's, like a, it's like a easy way out to just send an email when you really need to have a discussion. And I wonder about our kids' ability to relate and to have conversations, to have difficult conversations, um, because they're hiding behind the technology. And it's not their fault. I mean, many kids now, it's just been in their hands since they were 12 years old or something. And so... um, I, I, as you asked that question, the thought that came into my mind was technology is not natural. Like, you know, an iPhone didn't grow on a tree. We, it, it, it wasn't natural like food and the earth and fire. You know, it's, and our relationships have to be natural. They, they, huh, we just need to connect with each other, and it's tricky. It's tricky. Don't I know it? It's just tricky to have good relationships. So I think technology kind of gets in the way. And, okay, so on the other hand, I'll say I have connections with people from high school, with many people that I wouldn't have connections with because of technology. And they're sweet. And we we encourage each other. And um, even all my nieces and nephews, I get to see um, all their beautiful faces on Facebook and stuff where I wouldn't normally do that. So certainly there are benefits of technology and then there are risks. And so now this becomes, I'm just formulating this answer, Hope, 
it becomes something else for us to manage. So I, I need to manage technology in my life, and for some people it's difficult to manage because it's easier to just send a rude text than call up someone and have a, a conversation or meet them face-to-face. So we, you know, as humans, we kind of go to the whatever's easiest. So technology just becomes something to manage, and then it has all, this benef- all these benefits too because you can find a lot of good information on anxiety and depression and diets and sleep and uh, spiritual matters. You can find a lot of that just sitting in, your, in front of your laptop where you wouldn't, you, I couldn't do that in the early 90s. It, it wasn't available. So yeah, it's true. both and, um, and each person is going to have to manage that themselves. That's, that's a good question and it's a big question and I, oh gosh, the, um, it's, it's even more complex than that because there's all these people and entities behind the technology that are having a lot of power in our lives that may or may not have our best interest at mm-hmm. heart, you know. One last question and then we're going to log off. If you could have lunch with any person, dead or alive, who would that be? Someone else. Well, you, of course. <laughs> you. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> not not oh, Jesus or Mahatma Gandhi or, or oh, Oprah. Who would, I have, who would I have lunch with? I think I'd have lunch with Brene Brown because she's so Funky. She just kind of tells it like it is, and she's very vulnerable. She just lays it out there. Um, she has a lot of um, uh, knowledge, you know, a lot of research. I like all that data and information, yet she seems so very down-to-earth, and uh, she puts out some funny videos and um, yeah, I, I think I would like to have lunch with her. That just pops into my head because I feel like I could relate to her and that um, we'd have just a good time. Yeah. Yeah, I think you guys would have a good time too. And then invite me if you get to go with her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will. I will. <laughs> hey, Renee, are so you listening right now? <laughs> yeah, where can our listeners once again get your books? Yeah, on my website, katherineabrennan.com, and uh, you can get my book and my workbook there. There's a tab for the bookstore. I am also, you can find videos on YouTube where you can hear me speaking about little topics. Um, I usually have a question as the um, title. Uh, I'm on Facebook at uh, Look, Feel, Do Better. That's my line there. You can also search Catherine A. Brennan, but look, feel, do better because when we're physically well, we look better. When we mentally well, we feel better. And when we're spiritually well, we do better. So look, feel, do better. Um, and then I'm on LinkedIn also. Mm-hmm. But my my good. books can be found at my uh, my website. Yeah. Good, good. And we'll have that out to everybody on our website, the Hope Interface Center in Mankato, Minnesota. 
And I just want to thank you, Kathy, for being on the program with us this afternoon. And if you are hearing this live, which many of you are listening to it, if you know someone who thought, shoot, they should have been on listening to this, I want to let everyone know it is always on our archives. Uh, we have many, many of our guests speakers who are on archived, and uh, you can just go to our website, uh, www.hopeinterfaithcenter.com, and uh, we will get you to that archived list. So thank you once again, Kathy, for joining us, and thank you all of our listeners to the Pure Hope Show. Thank you, Kathy. It's been great. Thank you, Hope. It was a pleasure. You're great. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hope by Rev. Janice Hope Gorman. And until next time, remember that true greatness consists in being great in the little things. Be kind. Be gentle. Be loving. Be true.